you, Jesus. God is moving. He's moving. Even when we don't see it and when we don't feel it, and if we can't hear it, he's still moving. He's still moving. And it's, and it's our responsibility to stay in a position of faith, to hang on to his word. There's no greater love you can show God. There's no greater respect you can show God than to receive him at his word. When he says he's going to do something, you just believe that he's going to do it because he's faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you know, we started this, uh, a series several weeks back, and, and we'll be in this for a little while, um, called Intentionally Us. And uh, we've been keeping it so far kind of more on a personal level of kind of like, you know, being intentional with our own lives individually, you know, for me as a man. Um, and, and what my part in playing with other relationships, whether, you know, um, and... Today, I, you know, I was just praying this last week, just to be honest with you, um, this last week and the beginning of the week was, was just kind of tough, and uh, we've been seeing some breakthroughs, and you know, whenever, whenever God gives breakthroughs, well, the enemy tries to, always tries to come and hinder things, right? That's just what he does, but uh, as the Lord told me, and you heard me see, say it recently, he told me a couple years ago, he said, at the least, um, the, the devil is just a distraction. At the most, he's just a hindrance. All he can do is hinder. He can't stop when we're believing God's word. When we're holding on to him, he can distract us from believing God's word. He can hinder us from receiving God's word. But when we're sold out to receive all that God has for us, he just gets plowed out of the way. Because the anointing of God's grace comes upon us in that protection there. Amen. So this last week, it was a little... A little uh, uh, difficult the first couple days, and, and I'll be honest with you, um, the only thing that I know to do when things get overwhelming and I don't know what to do is just to get into his presence. I have to, I have to retreat to, his, to his, the, the private place with him. I have to get somewhere alone, whether it's in my office and shut the door or it's in my vehicle. I have many places that I can get away with the Lord. There's many places you can get away with the Lord with, but you just got to be real. You know, sometimes, what, I, don't, I don't know what it is about us as humans at times, we just feel like, you know, yeah, God knows it all already, but there's freedom whenever we get real with where we're at and real with what we're going through. There's a release that happens. And it's not for God's benefit as it is much as it is for our benefit. I mean, it's in the scriptures. You know, James said, confess your faults to one another so that you may be healed. What you're going through, what you're struggling with. And I just had to get real with God. And I was like, I didn't even know. I was like, this, you, know, uh, uh, you know, this week, I was like, I don't know what's going to do. And Ginger's on sabbatical now for, for a couple weeks. Uh, so she, her and Lauren are in uh, the Duluth just having some much-needed time get away. And, and I'm kind of leading the worship team now and, and obviously ministering. And, and I had us all pumped up for them, like, yeah. And then Monday came, and I'm like, Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I don't even know what I'm going to teach this week now, Lord. What am I going to, I spent, you know, time getting in his presence and, and like getting songs together. It's like, nothing's fitting together. What is going on? And I had to just to stop. All right, put all this stuff away, put the guitar away, put, not necessarily put your Bible away, but you put it away to get real within your heart. And as I just got into his word and I just began to read his word, and sometimes we just need a little more lingering in his word, a little more lingering in his presence. 
It's not just, because we're not talking about just a daily routine. It's a good, it's a good to have a daily routine of seeking God through prayer, of get reading his word every day. These are great things. But if it just becomes a routine and we're going through it and we go to the next, we miss things. And sometimes we do. Let's just be honest. I had to just sit just a little bit longer because continuing to walk through something that's on your heart and just going through the motions ain't going to get rid of that. You've got to get real with God. You've got to get in his presence. And as I began to spend that extra time with him and just kind of, you know, look at my own heart, just God began to show me some things. And then as he's doing that, all of a sudden, as like things just begin to click. Whatever that hindrance was, the enemy or myself, whatever's going on, whatever hindrance just faded away, all of a sudden these songs begin to come. Here's what you can play this week. I'm like, oh, that, that kind of goes together. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. And then here's what I want you to teach. Oh, <laughs> praise the Lord. You're so good, God. It's just those times with him. So today, as we've been talking about being intentional or intentionally us, being intentional in every area of our lives, and we're getting ready to take a shift here in the next couple of weeks going into more of marriage and parenting and, and some things in that sort um, to minister to those areas. I want to talk today for a few moments about everyday intentions, everyday intentions. And I believe there's three things that the Lord has shown me um, and there, there could be many more, but, you know, the Lord knows what we can take, and I'm going to give you three. You can add to them at your leisure. But these are things that I think I know in my own life, and I believe for you. I desire this for you. These three intentions to be in your everyday life, these, I believe these things will, will skyrocket your relationship with God. And I got these really just... Um, just from that private time, the majority of stuff that I get to give to you guys is just out of my personal time with the Lord. I'm just there, and he's ministering to me, and then he begins to show me, hey, minister this to the people. They need this too, because we're all in the same boat together. Amen? So let me, just start, uh, let me just start by giving definition of the word intention. This is uh, the word intention. This is from the Noah's, Noah Webster Dictionary from 1828. That's going back. I dug back pretty good for this one, guys. 1828. Um, it means this, intention, design, purpose, the fixed direction of the mind to a particular object or aim. And then Miriam Webster, Miriam was a company that actually bought the rights to the Webster dictionaries and all the things, the Lexa, Lexa, whatever, lexicongical, whatever, how they, I forget the word they use in there, but... Um, their definition of intention is this, a determination to act in a certain way. I like that. A determination to act in a certain way. If we get determined to act in a certain way every single day, things can change. There's something about repetition. Something about repetition. And not just not to the place where we're just going through the motions of things. I don't like going through the motions. Whenever I catch myself, whenever it starts to feel mundane, I get, I get disturbed inside. I was like, I don't want the same old thing. I want to go a different route. I want to go, you know, if I'm driving, I'm, I don't want to drive that way. I need at least three ways to get to one place because I can't do the same thing every day. Or if you're stuck doing one thing, you've got to find a way to make it fresh every day. Sometimes it may be one, you got to find out, how can I intentionally make it fresh every single day? Because we're always got to be looking for the new, always wanting to learn, always wanting to come, become better for God, always wanting to be more obedient to him. Are you with me? So 
There's three things I want to I give to you today that I want you to be intentional in. And the first one, I want to talk about your pace. You need to be intentional about your pace. Pastor Larry taught us this uh, several years ago when I was uh, up at Bethany. And he used a phrase, the pace of grace. You need the pace of grace. You want to get in Jesus' pace. The Lord kind of, I didn't have the wordage for it or the verbiage for it, but uh, the Lord showed this to me several years ago when I was reading through the book of, of Genesis. And it was when um, Jacob was coming back to Esau, going back to his father's house, and he met Esau, and he was very fearful. You know the story. He was very fearful to see him because when he left, he had, like, deceived his dad. He deceived his brother, everything. The last thing he heard his brother say to him was, when dad dies, I'm going to kill you. And he took off. So he's coming back to that. He ends up having a reunion. God already worked in Esau's heart. Esau received him. He's like, come with us. They met together. And Esau, let's go back right away. And Esau uh, and Jacob said, I can't go right now. I have all these cattle. I have all these little ones, our children. If I push them too hard in one day, they could perish. Let us go at the pace of, of the congregation or the pace of the cattle. And we'll get there when we get there. See, there was a wisdom in there knowing the pace that you need to be in. Because just rushing ahead, just getting somewhere, if God is not there, I mean, I'm, I believe in showing up early, you know, but I want to be where he is. That's, that's where on time is. On time is always being right where God is, you know, learning better what, what he's thinking, what he's doing, asking him questions, bringing him into your everyday life. So we take this from... Uh, the Gospels. I'll be in the book of Luke today. This is Luke chapter 10, and I'll read this story to you. Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Man, there's a lot in this one little thing here about pace. Martha was distracted by much serving. You know, this can hit us in the church. It's not just about serving the Lord. I mean... Jesus himself said there's going to come people to him in, in that day, on that last day, on judgment day, and say, God, look what all we did for you. We did this, we did this, we did this. They're going to be saying, God, we served you. And Jesus is going to say, I don't know who you are. One translation says it well, I don't know where you're from. I don't know where you're from, meaning we're not connected. Because you know, 
you go through the, from Genesis to Revelation, there's, there's a, you know, talking about like the new Jerusalem or Zion is, you know, the Zion is the dwelling place, the city of God. It's talking about the believers that God himself will stand up and say, this one was born in Zion. They were born of me. They're from me. I know them. We don't want to get distracted just by doing things. We want to be being, not just doing. No matter what we're doing, we still want to be present and connected with the Lord. And that is all about pace. Because if I lag behind, I'm missing something. If I get ahead, I'm missing something. If I learn to get in his pace, his stride, my life, your life, will go a lot smoother. Doesn't mean it's gonna be perfect. Doesn't mean you're not gonna go through difficult times. That is a wrong theology that we as Christians have believed for too many years. Our lives were not going to be perfect. We're going to suffer. We're going to have hardships. But if we're with him, we'll have everything that we need to be the antidote to that hardship in those tough times. Are you with me? So here they are, you know, Mary is sitting down. She's sitting and listening, listening to the, his teaching, just sitting at his feet. And Martha says she's distracted with much serving. And she gets to the place where she's kind of like self-pity. She feels all alone, you know, ask, even thinking that God don't care. Have you ever just like, you know, been, you've been serving the Lord and just, uh, but you still feel disconnected to him and you're doing these things for him, thinking that just by serving him, I'm going to get connected to him. There is some, there's some truth to that. Because God wants us to serve him, but it's just not in the act of serving. It's in the intention of being aware of his presence. He wants us to be aware of him. And I, I try to practice this every single day. I'm trying to bring him even more every single day to things that I go through. And, I, and I'm not talking about being fruity like, well, God, should I get pinto beans or should I get white beans, you know, for this chili? I mean, I'm not talking about that. I and mean, if you want to, you can. But I'm just saying, bringing him in. The moment anxiety comes upon you, oh, God, what do I do right now? How do I handle this? I want to connect with God. Uh, something's happening in my body. What, what do I do right now, God? I, I am your temple. You, I know that you're a healer. What do I need to do? What we need is a word from the Lord to hang on to. And then we speak that word out. And we don't do anything else but speak that word out. And you may not even believe that word at first. But as you speak it, it will go from just a knowledge that's in your head to a belief that's in your heart. And then the power of God will come forth because he confirms his word with signs that follow. Are you with me? I think one of the things that God is doing right now is stirring us up. We've been, as a church, as a body of believers across this, you know, the, the creation that God has created this earth, we've been oppressed in certain ways you know, for so long that we've forgotten what it's like to be able to exercise the muscles to stand up in faith. Are you with me? It's no condemnation to anybody. It's, it's individual. It's being intentional in my own life. I have to stand in faith for my life. I have to stand in faith and be intentional for my family, for those who are under my charge that God has given me stewardship over. I have to stand. But we, get, we feel like, you know, the enemy is just oppressing for so long. We forget like that, that it's just never, we, we get to the place where we just stop resisting. Let's just be honest. 
We stop resisting the oppression of the enemy. And really, he's not even doing anything anymore. He just has a guard sitting there because we're just bent over, oppressed. We're not, we're not trying to resist anything that he's doing because every time I did before, it's just there. The point is this. God wants us to keep resisting. You'll never build spiritual muscles without resisting the enemy. You'll never build spiritual muscles without taking God's word, believing it in your heart, and standing upon it yourself. And there will be opposition. There will be. It's not just about serving him. It's about being with him. Got to have that pace. You know, we look at, we just live over by Voyager, and they just put up this year, they just put up um, the school zone, flashing signs, 20 miles an hour, right? <laughs> a certain time. And it's like, the first one is like, the one coming from Nokomis towards uh, Voyager is like right there, right? You get to the school, it's like right there. The other one is like almost down by my house. I mean, it's like way past the school and it starts. And I've seen a lot of people get pulled over, right? Well... When it comes to pace, thinking about speed limits, you don't set the speed limit. It's a boundary. You don't set the speed limit, but there are consequences if you don't obey the speed limit. There's consequences. There's consequences to lagging behind and not being up where Jesus wants us to be. There's consequences of getting too far ahead of Jesus. At least if I'm behind, so to say, I can still see where he's at and kind of like know which direction I got to go to get up. If I'm ahead, I lose track of everything because I don't even see where he's leading. He may have took a left turn back there and I, he's behind my back. I want to be by his side. I want you to be by his side. Amen? Amen. Martha was at a pace. She invited Jesus into her home. And her thought was, I'm bringing in Jesus to my home. I'm going to make him my best dishes. I want to make sure my house is cleaned up so when, when he, as he's here that, he, that you know, he feels at home. And it's not that what she was doing, her, her intention necessarily wasn't wrong. She wanted to do things for Jesus, but it wasn't the good portion. That good portion in there in the Greek doesn't mean it's just, it's just the best you know, out of other things. It, mean, it really means this. This is the portion that God really wants for you. That's what that means. She has chosen the good portion. She has chosen the portion that her heavenly father has to give her at this moment. And we can lose that if we're out of pace. So God wants us to be intentional about our pace. Jesus says this, and you know this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You have to be in the yoke in order to be able to learn. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The part of you that gets battered the most, that needs refreshing continually, is your soul. He restores my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, these are the things because the Bible says, you know, these can tear, tear at your, whenever your soul is just at disarray, um, then your spirit man can begin, it can, can begin to be weakened. And the Bible says whenever a man is strong in his spirit, he can endure a crazy amount of hardships. No matter When their spirit of a man is strong, 
it will sustain him. One translation says in his sickness. Another translation says in his adversities. Whatever you're walking through when your spirit man is strong, but it's hard to be strong when, you know, in your spirit totally when your soul is just battered up. Your soul has to get renewed. It has to have a place to rest so that you can focus again on the spirit. Are you with me? I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One of the things that I practiced that the Lord showed this to me several years ago, I don't know, it's 2017 or 18, um, the word rest. I just started studying rest because I was, you know, out of pace on, in, in my life in some, in some areas. And the Lord gave me an acronym for the, for the word rest, which was remember every salvation truth. Remember every salvation truth. What I'm trying to do whenever things are trying to come against me and take away that peace, take away that rest, or they're, they're, they're opposing those things, I've got to remember what God's word has said about it. When I remember what his word said and I act accordingly to that word with my mind and my emotions, right, I begin to feel his rest. I begin to get back into his pace when I'm remembering what he has already done. You know, what he uses that thing, and maybe you've heard me say this before, but um, when he talks about the yoke, it actually gives an illustration of, uh, you know, of the, yoke, the actual yoke where they actually would train young ox. They would, take, they would take a well-trained ox that knew the pace. I mean, this was an all-day thing. They went out there. They didn't go out for an hour at a time. They went out there for shifts, and a trained ox knew the pace that would get him the whole way through that work day. And he had, they just plotted. They're not fast. Ox aren't fast. I mean, they're not just like, you know, like a horse, like, let's go to work, hey. No, like, you get on, let's go. It's like, you know, whoosh, you're expecting to go quick. Whoosh, they're just like. But what are they doing? They're plowing. They're plowing. That's all they're doing. Now, they'll put a young ox in the yoke with an old yoke, an older ox that's trained already. And this young ox will lag behind, and guess what? When if it wants to stay behind, it gets dragged by the other ox because it knows the pace. I ain't stopping. I'm plowing. If that means I got to drag you, we're just going to have another thing they can put corn in. I don't care. We're just going to go. And if the young ox tries to get ahead, he can't go very far because he's connected, and it, it's not budging. I got this. I'm trained at this pace. Whoa. I'm trained at this pace, and I'm moving forward until that young ox yields to the pace. Yielding means this. Sometimes I need to pick up the pace. I'm yielding that I feel to go slower, but you're going a little faster. And, he, and he's not like running. It's not a marathon. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So to get up to his pace is not a hard thing. And sometimes I need to slow down. Oh, I'm going way too fast. Maybe some anxiety is fear. Maybe I think I'm going to get there. And it's like, no, no, you don't understand. Jesus is saying to us at times, you know, you think you're going to get there that quick, but you're going to wear out. If I let you just run, you're going to run for the next hour and you'll be done for the whole day. I need your strength for the whole day. We have this whole field to plow. Got to learn that pace. Got to learn to play the pace. It should be an everyday intention to slow down and to learn from Jesus. I've been practicing this more recently. Lord, what do you want to show me today? What do I need to see? Not so that I can do. I mean, there, there could be instructions. that it's, it's not like, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Yes, I mean, there, I can be part of it. What do I need to see from your perspective today? 
You know, one of the things he told me last week, he says, I want you to pay attention to the lights. That was it. Sounds awkward, right? Pay attention to the lights. Okay. Well, that morning I was up early, saw the sun come up, and I'm just like, wow. And it was one of those days that kind of Stacy was talking about this morning. It's kind of foggy and it's overcasty, but the lights began to break through. The clouds is like, oh, God, that is awesome. And then I saw a rainbow that day. It's like, God, your promises, your promises. What do you want me to see? Because he's always trying to speak to your heart first. He wants you whole. He wants you healthy. Because when you're whole and you're healthy, as we talked about in the first teaching, every relationship you're in will be healthy because you're bringing health to it. Are you with me? So when you are connected with Jesus, everyone benefits. And when you're disconnected from Jesus, everyone suffers. Not just you, other people. Amen? We need to learn that pace. Number two is persistence. Persistence. This is going to be a little bit different. Not just persistence, but it persistence with his promises. He wants us, we need to be intentional about being persistent every day with his promises. Now, I'm going to uh, I'll tell you, I'm, uh, it'll come up on the screen here in a minute, but this is just a couple, ch- or a couple of verses uh, later in chapter 11. And Jesus begins to tell a story to, um, or really ask a question to his disciples. He says, suppose that you have a friend uh, who comes to you in the middle of the night, and he's asking you for some food for his friend that came in the middle of the night, but he has nothing to give to this friend. You know, what would you do? You know, and he says, there, there was a guy that came, you know, he, he knocked on a man's door and he, he, they were friends. He's knocking on his door and maybe these days, it may not be the door. Maybe, maybe your neighbor knows you well enough that he knows where your window's at. And he's just tapping on the window. Hey, hey, Bobby, are you awake? You know, in, in those days, the answer to this guy, you know, in that cultural setting was like, hey, I'm in bed with my kids, okay? We're not getting out of bed. We're already in bed culturally back then, you know, and especially in that type of the world. Obviously, they didn't have paved roads like we've got, you know, and, and it was very dirty, so they would wash, the family would wash their feet before they got in bed, and if they got back out of bed, they'd have to wash their feet again. And maybe the kids were sleeping. Come on, we've been there as parents, like, oh, please be quiet. Don't wake the kids. Come on, this is my time, Right? Come on, let's just be honest. And, uh, and uh, so he say, he's like, here, you're, you're doing this. They come to you, and he says, uh, there's a, a verse in there. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, even though we're friends, I'm not going to get up and give it to you. I'm sorry. But because of his persistence, literal translation of that is because of his shamelessness. I am not ashamed to keep asking until I get what I need. Because of his shamelessness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, this is where Jesus goes into. It's a little bit different. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Very familiar scripture. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Stop there for a moment. This is kind of where we stop as Christians. We'll read these. That's the one thing when it comes to, you know, having Bibles that have like headings over certain areas or the numbers and stuff in them. We compartmentalize the scripture. 
So we see that, and we've seen it already. Oh, I know that portion. But you know that that story doesn't stop right there. It continues to go on. And the asking, it's not wrong to ask God things. Obviously, according to his promises, he wants us to ask and receive. He wants us to seek his promises and find them. He wants us to knock that the door can be opened to us. But there's a more specific thing that he's wanting us to be persistent at. He goes on in this, in this story here. Now, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he, asked, if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil... And that's really in a sense of right now, you being evil, you're not functioning in the total virtue that I created you to function in. This is before Jesus died on the cross. You're not functioning in that total virtue. And if you still know how, to, in a fallen state, you still know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I think God really wants us individually, corporately, across the city, across the nation, around the world, to be persistent every day about seeking the promises of God and specifically seeking the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit. We want to see revival? You won't have it without the Holy Spirit. If there's revival, there is the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of God is, the Bible says there is liberty, freedom. Yes. And I don't know, I don't know where everybody's at. And if, you, if you're saved, obviously, you, if you're saved, you accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. But God also wants everybody to experience the fullness of this, which what Jesus talked about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and to seek it. I didn't have anybody teach this to me. I, I just got so hungry for God that I began to seek him out in his word. And he, he convinced me in his word that I wanted what, the, what he had for me. And I believe if we're hungry for God and we're really going after him, once we, get, once we get the fullness of the spirit, there is nothing else. There's nowhere else to go except back to him for another drink. Back to him for another filling. Amen. You didn't see once the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the apostles and the disciples and it began to just to keep being poured out, they didn't go anywhere else. There wasn't anything past that. It was God the Father, God the Son. Now they have the Holy Spirit and they're moving forward and the Spirit of God keeps us refreshed. He keeps us on fire. He's a fire. He's a wind. He's an oil. Amen? I think sometimes we... You know, we're looking and it's not that the other promises, we're asking for these things. And I, and I believe it's important to have those things, you know, in God's word. But I think we're missing because the Holy Spirit was sent on purpose. Jesus was so emphatic about it. He's like, guys, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I need you to have the same spirit that I had. Whenever I was on this earth, I want you to have it. I asked the Father already and it's his delight to give him to you. But you've got to wait. I'm just saying, you know, I don't know where everybody's at here, but I'm saying that if you have the Spirit, man, there's that place of being able to stir yourself up with Him. And if, and if you don't have, you know, that experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, then to begin to seek it out. Look in the Scriptures. Don't just, I mean, it's not that we can't learn from each other. I mean, yeah, you can do that, but I'm just saying, if it don't line up with the Word of God, you got to get in the Word of God yourself and hear what God Himself is saying about it and let Him touch you and let Him fill you.
Asking leads to knowing. Seeking leads to discovery. Knocking opens the door to experience. You need to be persistent in knowing, discovering, and experiencing the Holy Spirit. And as much as I, even as much as I know about the Holy Spirit right now, I know a drop in a bucket about the Holy Spirit. I want to know more about the Holy Spirit. He's gonna, he's, whenever you get reminded things of things that Jesus did, it was the Holy Spirit. When, you know, when Karuku is here and other times, you know, when, when God is moving in our services, it's the Holy Spirit that is here moving. Jesus physically is at the right hand of the Father in a physical body at the right hand of the Father. He can't be here with us, but he is with, here, with us through his Spirit. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So just a couple quick stories um, uh, when it came to, you know, infilling of the Spirit and or salvation. Um, I was just reminded of this, of these, this week. Um, I, my sister-in-law, Tanya, is married to one of my older brothers, um, uh, Todd. And she was suffering from something, you know, physically in her body that actually, um, just like a chronic pain, and it actually hindered um, intimacy with her husband. And, and she was saved. She knew the Lord. And uh, she was at some, some uh, meeting, and, and the Spirit of God was present. And in that time, she... Um, just the Spirit of God came upon her. She yielded over. She was baptized in the Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. At that very same moment, she was healed from whatever it was inflicting her body. To this day, years later, never had any issue with it ever again. What did that do for her relationship with God? It skyrocketed. What did it do with her relationship with her husband? It took it to new levels that was hindered before. Amen? I remember a time whenever I was traveling minister and I was in Pennsylvania. I was at a church called the Acts Church, like the Book of Acts. And we were there, and uh, uh, I got done, got done preaching. I don't even remember what I, what I taught on, but I remember this couple came up, and, and God was moving. There was some prophecy going on, some healings going on, and I remember this couple came up, and uh, in the same day, now they were, they were uh, talking about divorce. They had the divorce papers and everything. They were going to divorce. As a last resort, they went to church together. God loves those odds. He loves it. As a last resort, you know, we got the papers. We're just going to go to church one last time. And then after this, we're just going to sign it and be done. Well, that day, they both reconciled their, their lives to Jesus. So they, they, they gave their lives to Jesus that day. They were both at the same time. They got saved. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they tore up the divorce papers. So don't tell me that God can't. What God is trying to do is for us to believe the impossible once again. It's impossible with us, but it is so possible with God. All the things that are impossible for us, they are not impossible for God. But if we don't stir up our impossible meters, right, in a good way, he wants us to believe the impossible. He just wants us to believe his word. We get his rhema word, let him speak it to us, and we just begin to declare his word. If somebody else comes and says something otherwise, well, I don't have to listen to what they say. I'm still going to go back to the word of God. I don't care if it sounds logical. I'm going to go by what God's word said. What he's speaking to you that lines up with his character and his nature. Are you with me? So we need to be persistent about our pace. We need to be intentional about our pace, intentional about our persistence in seeking God's promises specifically the Holy Spirit. And then the last one, you need to be intentional about keeping the proper perspective. These are your P's, the pace, um, persistence, and perspective. I know Scott likes the P's. He's got them. 
So now we're talking about perspective. Again, sometimes we read over these things and we miss, we miss things. John, or Luke 18 says this, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that, this is the reason he's telling this, they ought always to pray and not lose heart. You should always pray and not lose heart in praying. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Someone say, I think he's in the wrong profession. I mean, if you're going to be a judge, you should have a fear of God, and you need to respect people where that's not a very good position to be in. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. And for a while, the judge refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. One translation, so she, one translation makes it sound like the judge was afraid that this woman who came to him every day was just going to go past whatever bearers and go up and just start punching him in the face. And he was kind of getting fearful here. She's really adamant about this. And the Lord said this, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And we know what kind of, it kind of shows you here on unrighteousness too. He didn't fear God. He didn't respect people. How can you be righteous and not fear God and not respect people? I'm just repeating some of Jesus' words here. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Stop right there. This is the point. I even feel like, you know, we're in, in, in society right now. It's all about justice. We need justice this way. We need justice this way. And we look at this and we think it's about justice. It's not about justice. God is a just God, and God will bring about a just way in his time how he wants to do it. He is a just judge. But Jesus is saying here, listen, it's not about justice. He goes into the very next, very next word. He says, nevertheless, God's going to bring about justice. He's going to do it speedily. He's going to do these for the elect that call to him night and day. His sons and daughters are calling out him. He sees, we see it even in the Gospels where Jesus said, listen, you've got to be careful how you treat those who are underneath you because, or you're, you're, you're underpaying them or you're mistreating them because I hear their hearts cry of their abuse and Lord Sabaoth is going to come and take care of them. He's a just God. But he's saying this is not about justice. It shouldn't be a question, you know, is, is God just? We should already as believers, he is just. I leave that all into his hands. He says, will not God give justice? Yes, he's going he's to do it. He'll, give it. he'll give it to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Is Jesus saying it's about justice or is Jesus saying it's about faith? Regardless of what he said up to that point, now he's saying, nevertheless, we know God's, God is faithful. He's going to bring justice. Nevertheless, in the midst of all that you're walking through, in the midst of all the injustice that's around us, it's not about justice or injustice. It's about, are you going to stay in faith? Yes. Are you going to stick to God's word? Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith in the earth? Now, I want to take you a different level here real quick. I got maybe five minutes. It's not just about faith. 
Not just like we say the word faith. Well, you know, the literal translation of this, you can look it up for yourself. The literal translation of this is when the son of man comes, it's not will he find faith on the earth. It's when the son of man comes, will he find the faith on the earth? There's a the in there. That means it's specific. It's not just, okay, what you think faith is. It is no, when, when Jesus comes again, will he find the faith on the earth? What is the faith that he's talking about? You, it's the same thing. You go into the Greek. It's, you know, you know the, uh, the story where uh, Jesus you know, was hungry and, and uh, Bethany or Bethphage, whatever it was, and, and uh, he was there and he saw the fig tree and then he, it didn't have any figs. So he's like, you know, curse, you're cursed. Don't ever bear fruit again. And the next day they come and, and the disciples said, look, Lord, Lord, the fig tree that you curse is dried up to the, to the roots. And he says, hey, have faith in God. Wrong translation of that. The literal translation of it is have the faith of God. Have the faith. When Jesus comes on, when the Son of Man comes to the earth, will he find the faith? What is the faith of God? What is the faith of God? The first time you hear that, you're just like, well, how could I ever have the faith of God? If you're in Christ and he's on the inside of you, you better believe you can have the faith of God. That's your DNA. He created you that way. He has placed, even in people who don't know God at this time, he has placed, the Bible says he has placed eternity in the heart of every man. That comes back to Romans where it says, God has distributed to each person on the face of the earth a measure of his faith. Without that measure of his faith in us, he puts it there so we have something to believe. It's, it's there. He puts it just that little bit there for us to be able to grow it and cultivate it. Amen. Are you with me? So this is the faith of God. We see this in Romans chapter 4, 17. It's talking to Abraham. As it is written, a father of many nations, I have made you in the presence of him who he believed, in the presence of God who Abraham believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. This is the faith of God. Whenever he created the, wor the world, in faith he said, let there be light. And there was light. That's the faith of God. When God speaks, things happen. When we speak God's word, it's just not when we speak. We're not trying to take it out of context and think we have more authority than what we do. We're not trying to control other people. We're trying to connect to the promises of God. If I speak God's word in faith, God will make it happen. Amen? Is there going to be a testing of that faith? You better believe there'll be a testing of that faith. How long is the testing of that faith? I don't know. It depends. God's in charge of all of that. I mean, uh, um, I know that Karuka had said, I, I like what he said about that. He talks about, you know, when it came to certain offices in, 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 uh, in the body of Christ that, that God has established, um, there's like a 20-year period of testing. He used Joseph as that. And it says it in, 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 in Psalms, you know, he says, until the word of God that he gave Joseph came to pass, the word of God tested him, tested him. Will you continue to believe when this wave pounds upon you? Are you going to get back up again and say there's nowhere else to go but to believe in God? Even if another wave comes to you, oh, no, we're going. What's happening, guys? We're building tenacity. 
kingdom tenacity. We're standing up. These are the things that legends and heroes are made of. Standing against opposition. What greater opposition do we have than the kingdom of hell trying to oppose the kingdom of heaven? And if you haven't read your Bible, the kingdom of heaven is advancing. It don't stop. It's continually moving forward. And I don't want to be on the backside. I want to be right up. It's kind of my personality. I want to be on the edge. I want to be right there on the the firing line. Let's do this. And God teaching us our hands to war, our fingers to fight for his glory. Are you with me? It's about the faith. Even God who gives life to the dead and calls those things into being that do not exist, literal translation of that, he calls the things which do not exist as existing. Now you can, you know, we can encourage other people and we can speak over other people. You know, my faith can encourage your faith to help you to stand in faith. But you have to link your faith. You have to exercise your faith. You do. Now for me, I can, I can, you know, on the other side of it as a receiving, and I can receive your faith to encourage me. It's, it's what the Bible talks about, the lifting of the hands that are so weak they can't be up. You get to a place where you begin to stand. No, I can stand myself now. Or the, the, the knees that are just so weak from standing, I just, I don't feel like I have the strength. And, you, and people come alongside in their faith to help get you up. And then you're getting recharged in your spirit, and then you get to the place that, guys, I think I got this. And now you're beginning to. An example of this has only happened a couple times in my marriage where I was so depleted spiritually and physically and emotionally. I remember one time laying on my bed. We were renting a trailer here. It was the first place that we had after we left uh, Pat and Anita's place. I was laying in the bedroom, and I felt like I couldn't even hardly speak. I was like, honey, will you please pray for me? Thank God for partners in marriage, amen, or good friends that can be there. And I, and I said, honey, I, I, I felt, literally felt like I couldn't even pray. And she laid her hands on my stomach, and all that she did was just speak God's word over, over me. That's all she did. This is the most powerful thing we can do. You are strong in the Lord. You know, just quoting scriptures and just speaking to me until it got to a place. It probably took maybe five, 10 minutes. Yeah, you might have to play a little longer than you think you ought to pray in order to you feel the change. And all of a sudden, she's praying, and all of a sudden, I'm kind of like, ah, starting to bubble up a little bit. I'm getting to the place where I, I can start to pray myself. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Then I'm like, all right, honey, that's, <laughs> that's good. You just charged me. Uh, let me. I'm going to stand up and do it myself. We need each other that way. Amen? But we've got to stand in faith. The psalmist said, you know, the very first part of that scripture we were talking about, Jesus who said, he taught this in effect that they had always pray and not lose heart. The psalmist said in Psalms 27, 13, he said, I would have lost heart. I would have been discouraged. I would have been in despair if I didn't believe that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Where is it that the enemy has lied to you that the goodness of God cannot be in your life right now in the season that you're in? You've got to oppose that. I would have, the only thing, if you're not believing, the only other option to not believing is to be in despair, to be in hopelessness, to be a a one who has lost heart, and then we get angry with God? No, no. I would, have, I would have despaired. I would have lost heart if I didn't believe. Paul talked about the psalmist in, in 2 Corinthians. He said, having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. 
we also believe, and therefore we also speak. I love this scripture, and I'll finish with this. This is in Psalms. You could read the whole Psalms if you want to. It's really good. Psalm 16, I read it. This is from the Passion Translation. He says, Even when it seems I'm surrounded by many liars in my own fears, and though I'm hurting in my suffering and trauma, I still stay faithful to God and speak words of faith. We've got to, what are we gonna do? When the battle comes and the Bible says the battles are gonna come, are we just going to you know, tuck our knees and unfold our hands and just kind of sit there and let the enemy have his way? Are we gonna have to stand up? Other people can stand up with you, but they can't stand up for you. We need to stand up. This is where you're going to grow. It is in the place when you're by yourself and you're coming against the, all the forces that are coming against you and you're, you're being, no, I don't, and you have to do it out. You have to speak it with your mouth. You believe, therefore you speak. If you really believe, you will speak. It goes the opposite way. Even, even things that, you know, not towards, not towards a Christianity or our faith in God, we are already speaking what believe. There's things that you're already speaking in your life that are maybe contrary to what God's word is, but you believe them, so you speak them. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is where faith is. It's right in here. So I'm telling you, find a spot. I don't care if it's walking in the woods. I used to do go for walks with God, and I would, I would just vent, you know, and just let things out of my emotions, what was going on, even things I didn't understand, even if I just had a misunderstanding of God, or maybe I was even upset with him at the moment. I would just tell him how I was feeling. It did not hinder him. He didn't care about that. What I was doing was connecting with him. I was opening myself up to him and allowing him to speak to me or let me feel his presence strengthen me in that moment. But you've got to do it. You've got to open up. You need to be persistent in your pace and, 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 and intentional. Intentional about your persistence and seeking his promises in the Holy Spirit. And then be intentional about the proper perspective. It's not about all the injustices we see going on in the world and whether this church body is doing it this way or this church body is doing it this way politically or whatever, all these different things in science. It has to do with are we being in faith or not? Are we standing in faith? Are we lining up to God's word? And if we line up to God's word, we're gonna find ourselves inside uh, locking arms with the biggest army that the world has ever seen. Be the saints of God in the next movement of God on the face of the earth. Are you with me? Would you stand up? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We give you glory and praise and we thank you for your anointing. And your graces. Hallelujah. I want to do this if you just bow your heads for a moment. Jesus, these are good words from your word, Lord God. You know you're speaking to every one of us right now. You are calling us forward. There is a standing up. There's a moving forward. There's a movement that needs to take place in our spirits, in our hearts, with our mouths, Lord God. Slowing down and just being with you at times. Your leading, Father. We thank you for it. Holy Spirit, just your touch. We want to know you more. We want to know you more, Father. We want to know you more, Jesus. We want to know you more, Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you have known him at one time, but you've 
you've walked away. Or maybe you've just been oppressed for so long because of circumstances, situations, the way you've been treated or from someone else or just the enemy. God wants to set you free. The first thing he wants to do is he wants to save your soul. He wants you to be born again or brought back to him. If you don't know the Lord or you have known him at one time and you want to surrender again today, if that's you, I want you to be bold. Just raise your hand high and say, that's me. That's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Okay, I saw a hand back there. Anybody else? Anybody else? We trust you, Jesus. We trust you. And I want to ask you, I know this is very, can be very difficult. If you raised your hand or you didn't and you wanted to, I'm going to ask you, if you meant it, would you come up here to the altar? I'm going to ask Kathy. Kathy, would you come up here and just be here? If you meant that in your heart, would you just come? Just move out of your seat. Don't let your brain think about it. It was your heart that responded. Just go ahead. If that's you, just go ahead and step out. Come up to Sister Kathy right here. She's going to pray with you, pray over you. Take you steps to Jesus into your heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Father. The other thing that we need to do, and we'll open up the altar, is maybe you felt oppressed, kind of like that place, because Jesus gave that last, that last parable. He said, I, I'm trying to teach you this so that you can pray and not lose faith. Maybe you're still praying, but you're not doing it in faith anymore. The battle has been so real that you're going through the motions, but your faith is not connected to it anymore. And it's just... It's in vain in a sense, because, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, God wants to connect to you today. If that's you, and you're just saying, that, that's me, and just come up on this side over here. I know it. You say, oh, you know, what are other people going to say? You know what? In times like this, I never care what other, anybody else said. If I had a need and I, I wanted God to touch me, I'm just going to step out and let him do what he wants to do. If that's you, you feel like you've been oppressed, you feel like the battle's been so real and so hard, it's been so hard to, to, to stand up in faith. Let some other people up here begin to encourage you so that your battery can get charged, so that you can stand on your two feet again. If that's you, I want you to just make your way up here on my left side, your right side, over here. If that's you, just come over here on this side, and we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to have Joe continue to play. Father, we just thank you for your presence once again. Let's lift our hands to our Heavenly Father. We thank you for your anointing, your graces. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord show you his favor and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Dan Kreider, could I have you help pray with me? Is that okay?